evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Oscana, and I'm hosting today's program. That's right, hosting today's program. This is the Anarchist World this week. Find what anarchy is all about? No, it's not about the chaotic situation. <coughs> oh, that was a cough. It's not about the chaotic situation we find ourselves in. An anarchist society is a society without rulers. Anarchos without rulers. How do you... Uh, Break down the power which is wielded by rulers. You devolve power, you share wealth. Simple concept, equal wages, equal power. Devolve power, share wealth, create anarchist society. If you know a better way, let me know. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, anarchists are all sitting around in armchairs waiting for the magic moment when the revolution is coming. Nah, that is crap. That is total crap. Anarchism is about trying to improve people's lives by being involved in struggles that devolve power and share wealth. Whether we achieve a society which is based on those principles is not the issue. The issue is that journey towards achieving that goal. So it's about... So many anarchists are involved in reformist struggles. Some are involved in electoral politics. Some are involved in radical, you know, initiatives. But the key is to improve people's lives by devolving power, giving people the opportunity to make decisions which affect them, and by holding wealth in common. That's what the Commonwealth is about. The Commonwealth of Australia is about holding wealth in common not in the hands of a minority, whether it's a religious base, whether it's secular-based, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a family uh, trust. It's about devolving power, sharing wealth. So those of you who uh, want to listen to the Anarchist World this week and expect some vividly exciting analysis about the light on the hill... You ain't getting, going to get it. A light on the hill is always a light on the hill. It's like tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. But if you're interested in being involved in struggles to improve people's lives through devolving power and sharing wealth, this is the program for you. And if we never achieve it, it doesn't really matter because what we are in the game. We are in the game. We are on the field. We are playing that game. 
We're not spectators. We're not the hundred thousand people at the MC, you know, at the Aussie Rules final, cheering our gladiators on the field. We are on the field. We make a difference. We know we can make a difference because we are the people we've been waiting for. If you think that sounds like a you know hallucinatory rant, think again. Think again. All change comes from people taking action. We've just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Gurindji walking off Wave Hill and starting, push-starting, that struggle for Indigenous recognition, that struggle for Indigenous land rights, that struggle for a treaty, that struggle for reconciliation. They made that move in 1968. They made that move. With help, but they made that move. And every major social innovation in this country, whether it's the National Disability Insurance Scheme, struggles that I've been involved with for over 40 years, whether it was the introduction of pensions, holiday rates, basic wage, living wage, all those things will come about or have come about because somebody has said, I'm a player. I want to be on the field. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be part of the somebody should do something about that tribe. I don't want to be part of somebody, you know, somebody who says I want to be, I don't want to be part of the Gunner tribe. I want to be down there on that political, cultural, social arena which ultimately determines what type of society we are trying to create. And we're involved in that struggle to devolve power, share wealth. We're not part of the hate merchants. We've seen over the last few weeks the hate merchants come out of the little caves. We've seen them almost destroy the Liberal Party. It's a pity they didn't. Almost destroy the Liberal Party. The hate merchants, those who want to divide us because of our different languages, cultures, nationalities, colour of our skin, sexual orientation, gender. They're out there. They make a significant part of the community. But more importantly, the hate merchants have understood that the way they can actually impose their sick agenda on the rest of the community is by being players, by being on that field, by elbowing other people out of the way, by trying to dominate that space. And we won't allow them to dominate that space. And I'll show you how it works. It's very simple. Now, the Liberal Party has a proud history formed by Menzies after the first war after the second world war as a coalition between conservatives and liberals in the true sense of the word and that struggle between the liberal faction and the conservative reactionary faction has been an ongoing feature of the party that's what they call it a broad church 
But what's happened over the last 20 years, we have seen the Liberal Party taken over by the hate merchants, by the corporatists. They have slowly and methodically been able to dominate the Liberal Party, which has its maximum has 35,000 members across the country. That would be less than 200, me- 200 members per federal seat. Less than 200 members. And we've seen in Victoria the party has grown so small and so weak how a religious fundamentalist group could actually seize the administrative wing of the Liberal Party. And we've seen how the Institute of Private Affairs has been able to use the Liberal Party shell to promote its corporatisation, deregulation, privatisation, globalisation agenda. And we've seen the Liberals in the Liberal Party being isolated expelled, marginalised. And that's what last week was about. It wasn't about a personality dispute, although Mr Abbott, you know, thinks, likes to think it was a dispute between him and the previous Prime Minister. You know, it was about ideology. It's about a, a once proud political party which has been beaten down on its knees which has been deserted, which has deserted its intellectual and philosophical and ideological tradition. It is a shell of a party which is dominated by the hate merchants, those that want to divide us. Now, they've been temporarily pushed back into their caves, but the flamethrowers haven't been used yet in the Liberal Party to extinguish them because... The Liberal Party is terminally ill. It is terminally divided. The business sector is refusing to give it electoral funds. It is having trouble raising enough money to actually conduct a federal electoral campaign. And with the exit... Mr Turnbull, it's obviously that his business mates and corporate mates will also be uh, decreasing their uh, contribution to the Liberal Party coffers. So they'll have to rely on the hate merchants. And the thing about the Liberal Party cabinet room, party room, shamozzle, which we saw last week, was that it was engineered, pushed, And the fire was lit by the Murdoch Empire. Mr Murdoch was here the week before. Doesn't come down here to Australia often being a US citizen. Unless, you know, he's got, you know, a pot to stir. And he told his troops, get out there and support the hate merchants. We need the hate merchants, and they've been creating divisions and hatred within our society, wanting a race-based election, election, trying to follow the Trump or the uh, President Groper's agenda of 
stirring up hatred and division in this community in order to promote their business interests. That's all it's about. And you've seen what's happening. And you're seeing Mr Morrison, now the current Prime Minister, wallowing, wallowing in a pit of self-doubt, unable to move forward because the dinosaurs, the trolls, the hate merchants still dominate the party at the state and federal level. Exit Julie Bishop. Everybody's talking about, you know, Julie Bishop's going to become the next Governor-General. Well, that's not the issue. Now, Julie Bishop is a smart political player. She's very upset, and I don't blame her for getting so few votes in the leadership uh, battle. Not even her West Australian mates supported Julie Bishop's tilt at the uh, Prime Ministership. So Miss Bishop does not want to be tainted with the same brush as the Morrison Cabinet, which is basically a Cabinet which has rewarded, rewarded the insurgents, rewarded the troublemakers, rewarded the wreckers by giving them Cabinet positions because he knows he can't guarantee a majority in his own party. So here he is. Turnbull, you know, was Prime Minister with one hand tied behind his back. Poor old Mr Morrison, who comes from the same faction, you know, as the hate merchants, has got both hands tied behind his back and earmuffs over his ears. All he can do is open his mouth. So Madam Bishop has retired to the corners and she's looking at her options, and her options are very simple. She waits until the next federal election when the it is a probable, highly probable, the Liberal Party will be wiped off the face of the earth. She will then put up her hand as for Liberal Party leadership as opposition and attempt to clear out the branches, clear out the Aegean stables, clear out the stables. It's a, you know, Hercules was given the task of clearing out the stables, Aegean stables, which are so full of filth. Well, the Liberal Party is full of intellectual, cultural, social filth. Filth which is based on the premise of stirring up hatred and division in the society. And she'll sit there and most likely sit for re-election unless she's given a really, really plum job, which is hard to resist, maybe like uh, Ambassador of the US or something. And then they'll try to regroup. So that's it. A once viable, vibrant organisation, full of debate, has been reduced to a hate-filled rump dominated by the Murdoch Empire and their shock jocks around this country. How extraordinary for a tiring Prime Minister to use such language, insurgent, wreckers. It's just extraordinary. 
think about it. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I've got a vision. Yes, 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 and I'm not taking drugs or hallucinating. I have a vision. And I've noticed that the Premier of Victoria, Mr Daniel Andrews, and even Mr Bill Shorten are now big on visions. I'll tell you what my vision is based on. My vision is based on 50 years of political activity and over 40 years of broadcasting. That's what my vision is based on. It's not something which I've plucked from the air in order to win a next election. And it's quite extraordinary to see the Premier of Victoria, Mr Daniel Andrews, talk about their vision for Victoria. Infrastructure. Infrastructure, 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 schools and hospitals. And the other side, you've got some opposition party, I think the Liberal National Party, talking about community safety, crime, infrastructure. And if you listen to Mr Andrews, he very clearly does not use the H word or the PH word or the P word. He doesn't use the P word. He is that they're going to do great things with infrastructure, great things as far as schools are concerned, great things as far as hospital is concerned, but he never mentions the word housing. I mean, central, central to any individual's ability to survive, participate and flourish in any community is stable, secure, affordable housing. If you've got a base from which to strike out into the world and a base to which to retreat, you are on that journey developing yourself and your families and your friends' abilities to their fullest potential. You've embarked on that journey for a secure life. Secure, affordable housing is central to that vision. It doesn't matter how many railway lines you build and how many tunnels you build and how many level crossings you take off the ground and how many roads you build and how many privatised you know, infrastructure projects you, know, you, you, you help to uh, expand. It doesn't really happen unless you've got that secure base. And my vision is very simple. It's much more simple than building a tunnel that's going to take 15 years to build. It's a vision which has a profound impact on not just Victorians, but could have a profound impact on each and every Australian. And that vision is for the extension of the public housing sector in our society. Now, in Victoria, which I'm most familiar with, the Liberal National Opposition and the Andrews-led Labor government is hell-bent on destroying the public housing sector. Hell-bent on destroying the public housing sector. 
They're in the process of dismantling 50-year history of public housing in Victoria. They will be, if they win the next election in their own right, either of the major political parties, they will finish that task of transferring titles of public housing which was built and maintained through public money to the private sector. Whether it's the affordable housing sector, the community housing sector, the social housing sector, which are privately owned organisations. They will finish that task if they win government in their own right. Nothing is clearer than that. And not one of the major political parties thinks that public housing is an issue. And I'll tell you why public housing is everybody's business. And you've heard this on this program before. But we are building up a campaign to put public housing on the political agenda in the state of Victoria for the next state election on the 24th of November this year. And obviously there are people across the country who are doing the same thing in the states they live to live in to ensure that public housing continues to be a central component of the mix, the housing mix. Now, my vision is, is exceptionally simple. It is so simple... I don't understand why the 40 members of the Legislative Council in Victoria and the 88 members of the Legislative Assembly can't pass legislation to ensure that this occurs. Why, apart from the Greens, are they all hell-bent on privatising the public housing sector? Because housing affordability is an issue. It's a simple issue. We know... We know that housing prices have increased by over 450% over the last 20 years and we know that wages have increased by less than 50% over the last 25 years while housing has increased by over 450%. You need a million dollars to buy a nondescript home with a bit of a garden 40 kilometres from the Melbourne CBD. A million dollars. Even if you save $250,000 and you've got to borrow $700,000, even at current interest rates, you'd be looking at having to fork out almost $6,000 a month to service that mortgage. That's almost $1,500 a week. So we know that the housing market, because of uh, investor-friendly laws like negative gearing, has now become an investor's and speculator's marketplace. That people who need a roof over their head have been driven out of that marketplace. And we know they've been forced into a rental market where it's almost impossible for anybody any anybody on a Social Security benefit who doesn't own their own home to actually rent in their own right. One-bedroom unit anywhere, minimum rental, $250 a week. 
minimum rental. New start allowance, $255 a week. So people are forced into shared housing and other housing arrangements. They stay at home when they prefer to be somewhere else. So we are seeing the number of people who are actually able to enter the housing market decrease and the number of people forced into rental accommodation and shared housing, shared housing rental accommodation dramatically increase, which means insecurity. It means insecurity. It means that people can't put down their roots. It means they can't send their children to the same schools. It means increasing social dislocation. It means increasing social issues. Now, you, don't need, you don't need to be Albert Einstein to work this out. Even a simple soul like me, and you simple souls listening to a simple souls like me, can work this out. Simple. Now what's happened in every other avenue of life when they've privatised essential services? Look at what's happened to the energy market, and we'll talk about that later on in the program. Well, I'll talk about it later on in the program. But you can see all the kerfuffle that's occurred. So what we need in a capitalist society, I'm not talking about overthrowing capitalism, this is simple reformist stuff about making people's lives a little bit easier. We need a strong, mixed economy. And a mixed economy is an economy where the public sector, which is the sector which is bankrolled by the taxpayer and revenue, and we all pay taxes in one way or another, whether it's GST, whether it's car registration, whether it's a liquor tax, whether it's a petrol tax, whether it's a... You know, it just goes on and on. You're all paying taxes. Because you're on Social Security benefit doesn't mean you're not paying taxes. Of course you're paying taxes. Or a sector which is dominated by the private sector. We need a strong mixed economy where the private sector and the public sector compete. That puts downward pressure on prices. So all this sounds, oh, Joe, you and your bloody visions, you know. Why don't you come to the point? Well, the point's very simple. It's very simple. And again, I'm familiar with the Victorian figures. Now, the Victorian government is willing to splash out $100 billion on infrastructure projects the next 15 to 20 years. Now, I've got a simple solution as far as the housing crisis is concerned. What we need to do is quarantine money which is raised from people paying stamp duty, and you pay stamp duty, right, when you buy a property. You pay stamp duty to the government, to the state government. In Victoria, in the last financial year, also the previous financial year, over $6 billion was raised from stamp duty. Simple concept, isn't it? $6 billion from stamp duty. You would think that a tax which is levied on homes would be used to improve housing affordability. Oh, no, it goes into consolidated revenue. Right, Not even enough money to maintain public housing in the state of Victoria. $6 billion, right? $6 billion. Every year, $6 billion. Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. Consolidated revenue. Take away another level crossing. Build another few kilometres of tunnels. Forget about people's housing needs. 
And I'm not talking about people being homeless. I'm talking about the whole society because public housing is everybody's business because it helps every sector of society, even investors, believe it or not. So if you allocated that $6 billion to public housing in Victoria, you could house 100,000 people every year in secure, stable public housing. And you don't have to go out on a building splurge, although it would be good to build some new public housing. Initially, you could do it by spot purchasing, which was the, which was the, um, the tactic or the strategy in the 18, in 1980s and 1990s where to break down the idea of putting people all into one huge metropolis, people were spread around the community, spot purchasing. You could do it tomorrow. You could, you could remove the waiting list in one year. You could house one million Victorians in public housing around the state within a decade, if the, six billion, if the money which is raised from stamp duty was quarantined for public housing, you increase the number of people in public housing, you decrease crime and social disorder because you've got stability, especially for people at the lower end of the economic scale, people who are being exploited, who find themselves at the, you know, the pecking order, right down the pecking order. You decrease social dislocation you decrease crime, you decrease the amount of money that's required You know, to keep a lid on things. You also improve educational outcomes as children aren't being shunted from school to school. At the same time, if you've got a strong public housing sector and a lot of public houses, you know, stock, you put downward prices on rents because people won't need to rent. Some people still need to rent, so rents decrease. As rents decrease, investors will desert the housing market at the lower end, which means housing prices will fall, which means that more people will be able to enter the the, uh, private housing market. So there is a win-win situation for the majority of society. And even those investors who are now taking uh, advantage, that 8% that take advantage of the investment-friendly laws, actually uh, win... Because there's less social dislocation, less crime, less insecurity. It's easy. But there's no political will. You know, people have been through the motions, you know, we've gone to the committees, we've spoken to the parties, we've chatted to the people in authority, we've been given the brush off, and the state election in Victoria is set to go, and there is no interest whatsoever. Nil, zilch, rien in the public housing struggle. It is not even mentioned by our beloved Premier in Victoria because he knows that their housing policies are on their nose, totally on the nose. So this is where I need your help. Now, public interest before corporate interest, which I'm convener of or secretary of, same thing, has been involved in this struggle for some time, some time. And we're quite committed to the idea of a strong public housing sector. 
But we've been outfoxed and outmanoeuvred. The rallies which we've been conducting on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House since December 2016 have been, have attracted minimal support. The people who come, obviously, are very concerned about the situation, but the support has been minimal across the board. We have not been able to break out of the cocoon that we find ourselves in to make public housing or even housing affordability, a significant issue at the next Victorian state election. So what are we going to do? Well, we are going to continue, obviously, our rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, and hopefully the next few rallies will will have an increased number of people which will turn up. And if you want to find out, out about the rallies, you can go to two Facebook pages. You can either go Defend and Extend uh, Public Housing or Public Housing Everybody's Business. And our next rally will be on Wednesday the 19th of September, which is the last parliamentary sitting day before Parliament rises. So it's an important day. Then we'll have rallies on the 24th of October at the Steps of Parliament House and the 14th of November. But the rally on the 14th of November is different. Very different. We are there to apply maximum pressure on the government and the opposition to ensure that public housing becomes an election issue and we will do that with our bodies. This is where we need your support. We will be holding a 10-day vigil, not a protest. The time for protest is over because they're not listening to protest. But a 10-day vigil from the 14th of November to the 24th of November, which is Election Day in the state of Victoria, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, which is currently surrounded by, uh, you know, um, fences as they're doing much-needed work, which obviously will continue for months. But don't let that put you off if you go past it. We'll be conducting a 10-day vigil. We'll be putting our bodies on the line to make this a significant electoral issue because we know, I know, you know, we know that if either the Labor government or the Liberal National Party gets a majority in their own rights in the Legislative Assembly, that public housing is dead. And even if they don't get the majority in the Legislative Council, we have seen the Liberal National Opposition and the Labor Party vote together in the Legislative Council to ensure its so-called renewal program, which is that will be the death of public housing, goes through. And we saw it this year and we saw it last year. So it doesn't matter if they don't hold the balance of power in the Legislative Council. What matters is, do they hold the balance of power in the Legislative Assembly? And unless we have a hung parliament with the Victorian Greens, who have a very positive policy on supporting and extending public housing, if they don't hold the balance of power in the lower house and when they do their coalition, you know, when they uh, do their talks with the beige political parties, public housing gets a very big guernsey in terms of who they will form a coalition with. But it's our job to ensure that public housing becomes a major election issue. Now, I know there are many listeners of this program who have skewed parliamentary politics. They turn their backs on parliamentary 
politics. And public interest before corporate interest, not just a political party that looks to be wants to be registered as a federal player and a state player in parliamentary politics. It's also an organisation that's happy to use direct action to promote promote the uh, promote people's rights, promote people's access to the Commonwealth. So we encourage you to start training, get your sleeping bags, join us for this 10-day vigil from the 14th of November to the 24th of November on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. You don't have to phone anybody. You don't have to register anywhere. Just turn up at 12 o'clock on the 14th of November and hopefully you'll be able to stay till the 24th of November midnight. If you can't, we understand. Even if you come for an hour or two, we need to fill that space. We need to spill down the street. We need to tell the government of the day at the state level in Victoria and the opposition that public housing is critical to creating a stable, secure community where each and every one of us is able to enjoy the fruits of the Commonwealth. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Go to the Facebook page, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, Public Housing, Everybody's Business. Join us on the rally on the 19th of September and then keep coming to the rallies and most importantly of all, now's the time to tell your boss you're taking 10 days off. Join us. Make this a major election issue. As I said before at the beginning of the program, you can either be a player on the field or you can shout, you know, in the MCG as you're watching your grand final. This is a grand final. The Victorian state election is a grand final for public housing because it'll be the end of public housing in the state of Victoria if either of the major political parties gains an absolute majority in the Legislative Assembly. Join us from the 14th of November to the 24th of November to highlight that housing, especially public housing, should be a major election issue at the next Victorian state election on the 24th of November. Now, this is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. You can go to the website. You can become a Pipsy member, download the application form. Pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Pipsi stands for Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. If you want to help us with our work financially, send us $1 stamps. Postage is our biggest issue. Not everybody we uh, interact with has an email address and sometimes we find it's much easier, although much more expensive, to ensure that our communications reach our members by using a postage. So you can always send $1 stamps to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Haven't got an internet connection? Don't worry. You want an application form to join public interest before corporate interest? Leave a message on 0439 
395 489 0439 395 489. Or you can always write to us for uh, copies of the application form on Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, on Wednesday the 4th of September we will be holding a little funeral service. That's right. Sad, isn't it? A funeral service for Fairfax Media. Now, Fairfax Media began as The Age in 1854 in Melbourne, a newspaper which was set up, an independent newspaper, which was set up about two weeks before the Eureka Rebellion, which threw its support behind the Eureka Rebels in 1854. Now, Fairfax Media, what's left of it, the age, the financial review, the domain, the rate, whatever, whatever it's left of them, Fairfax Media is dying. It's going to be incorporated into the corporate sector, courtesy of the uh, conservative crossbenchers which allowed the Liberal Party to pass legislation which allows the major players, the Murdochs of the world, to consolidate their power. Not that Murdoch is actually involved in the Fairfax uh, merger with Channel 9. It's another one of the major players. So we're having a little funeral, 11.30am, wear black, come and join us, 1854, 2018, long life, not long enough. 11.30am, Wednesday the 4th of September. Let's move on. Now, interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you don't know whether to laugh or cry. I think it's better to cry, or maybe it's better to laugh. Now, I was seeing Mr Morrison, our beloved new Prime Minister. Hello, Mr Morrison. And he's touring the uh, drought-affected areas in uh, Queensland and New South Wales. And some, some stupid reporter had the audacity to ask the man about the role that climate change is playing in changing climate conditions and droughts. And he said, look, I'm not interested in answering that question. I'm just interested in helping the farmers here. And I thought to myself, we need an analogy. It's a little bit like you kind of got a broken pipe in your bathroom and the water is rising and rising and rising and a knight in shining armour called Mr Morrison turns up at your doorstep with a bucket and says, bail out the water. And you say, what about the broken pipe? And he says, don't worry about the broken pipe, just bail out the water. Uh, sooner or later, it doesn't matter how hard you bail, unless you try to fix the broken pipe, you're not going to resolve the problem. It's the same with drought. Obviously, Australia does have droughts. And during Federation in 1901, we had a beauty of a drought. And obviously a lot of farming farms have been established on marginal land. And anybody who has travelled extensively across the centre of Australia, crisscrossed the nation, has seen the ruins of farmhouses which have kind of you know, been uneconomical because people built a farm throughout the local Aboriginal people, built a farm, grazed cattle in the good years and forgot a didn't realise that these, this is a country which is beset by drought. And when the drought came for three, four or five years, they were economically unviable and, and, had to, and were forced to leave their farms. 
it's the same situation today, but it's been actually been compounded by human-induced climate change. And if we're not willing to do anything about that, it doesn't matter how much money is raised in the corporate sector, how much money you, you know you, you uh, donate to buy Hales at Bay for you know for starving cattle and sheep. The reality is that unless you fix the pipe, you're not going to be able to bail yourself out of the situation you find yourself in. So. It really highlights it really highlights how hamstrung the Liberal National Party is by the ideological bias uh, as far as um, climate change is concerned. I mean, you can close your eyes and say the pipe's not leaking, but that water will get above your nose sooner or later and drown you. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. Yes, we're making cheap analogies, aren't we? You know, remember those nursery rhymes in the good old days or the bad old days? How they were, uh, you know, they were uh, ways of teaching people realities. Well, maybe we need a few good nursery rhymes today. Who knows? Yes, I, I have been asked if the uh, dinners at uh, La Poqueta at three nine two Rathdown Street in Carlton are continuing. They're continuing week after week. Start at six pm. Finish it around 9pm. Join us. Yours truly. A lot of other people who've got different ideas. 392 Raftdown Street, Carlton. 392 Raftdown Street, Carlton. 6pm to 9pm every Wednesday night until future, until further notice every Wednesday night. Now, obviously, if nobody turns up, well, they'll stop. But if people keep turning up, we'll keep having them. Great way to free yourself from the uh, tyranny of the net. Television, Netflix, whatever, whatever's your poison, come along, talk to some real people about real issues. And, uh, yeah, it's a good way to join public interest before corporate interests. It's good to meet people involved, join the organisation, get involved in uh, in what I call uh, life-affirming political change. You don't have to call it radical politics, life-affirming political change. That's what we're about. We're about improving people's lives. Now, electricity. They're just interested in getting electricity prices down. Now, has anybody ever wondered, and this is what I love about Australia, how people actually don't actually look backwards. We like to look forwards. We don't like to learn from our mistakes. We don't even like to acknowledge that we've made mistakes. Now, about 30 years ago, the big mania was to privatise everything and that privatisation mania continues as we see the Victorian state government privatise the titles office for a miserable $2.8 billion, giving them a lease for 40 years. And I can see business interest type of uh, jumping up and down when the prices triple in the next few years, but that's a different story. So they're getting interested in getting electricity prices down. Now, we saw the privatisation of essential services. Now, why were essential services paid for by the public and owned by the public? Why were they public resources? The simple issue was that, one, the private sector didn't have enough money to do it, and, two, you couldn't trust the private sector to actually run an essential service because the idea of the private sector, the idea of having an essential service is to provide 
services which are necessary for life to everyone. And the idea of a corporation is to provide maximum return to investors. And obviously, providing an essential service and creating the maximum profits are two ideas which don't gel. It's like, you know, trying to bang square pegs into round holes. But no, we knew best. We privatised it. We privatised the energy sector. And we did a beautiful job. We privatised energy production. We privatised the energy distribution lines. We privatised the energy market. Right? And obviously what happens? Every one of these entities needs to make a buck to keep their shareholders happy or they'll go somewhere else. So who's the bunny? You and me. We're the bunnies. And obviously electricity prices are going to increase in a marketplace that's dominated by privately owned players where the actual whole network has been divided up between different private companies. So prices have increased. So how are we going to decrease prices? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to build more coal-fired power stations and produce more emissions, aren't we? (laughs) You hear anybody talking about compulsorily nationalising the energy sector? It is an essential services. When people talk about the national broadband system, I mean, the government policy and opposition policy is to privatise it once it's been built with taxpayers' money. And again, another essential service? Are we going to break it up into all its little components and maximise profits for shareholders at the expense of the community? So if you want to decrease electricity prices, it's not a matter of trying to catch the next train to hell by... Stopping by, by not reducing, by trying not to reduce greenhouse emissions, by using the cheapest methods of generating power. But it's about having a system which is owned and controlled either by the community, not private sector, or by the state to provide essential services to people. It makes a lot of sense, and that's why nobody's interested. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Ah, Mr McCain, Mr McCain, Mr McCain and President Groper. What a humiliation. I don't want that bloke at my funeral. This is the bloke in the same political party, the Republican political party. Reminds you of the Liberal Party, doesn't it? I don't want that man at my funeral. I don't want him at my funeral. I don't want him anywhere near my decomposing body. The humiliation. The humiliation. Poor old President Groper. Feeling the heat from all sides. I wonder how many jobs he's going to create the funeral industry. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I've come across some very interesting research you may be interested in. 
before we finalise the program. You know, we're all told that, you know, that it's your DNA which determines how long you live. What it looks like, it's 30% DNA and 70% lifestyle. And what's the lifestyle? It's very simple. Eat well, don't eat processed food. Be happy, be involved, do a bit of walking, but be involved. So if you want to be involved, come and join us. Dinner Wednesday night, 6pm, La Poqueta, 392, Raftown Street in Melbourne, in Carlton in Melbourne. Be involved. Join public interest before corporate interest. Download the application form, pipsy.net. Be involved. Join us for the Fairfax Funeral at the corner of Collins and Swanson Street in Melbourne in front of the Age Building at 11.30am on September the 4th. Be involved. Join us on the 19th of September for the rally to defend and extend public housing, which has been organised by Defend and Extend Public Housing and Public Housing Everybody's Business. Be involved. Get involved in the Peter Norman commemoration, which will be held on the 9th of October and the the 16th of October on Community Radio 3CR at uh, 5.30pm on Friday the 31st of August. There will be a special hour devoted to the what happened at the commemoration last year. Be involved. Go to their webpage, Peter Norman Commemoration Com- Committee webpage. I'm actually the convener of that committee. Have a look at what we're doing for the 9th and 16th of October. Be involved. Join us on the 10-day vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Change the course of history. Change the course of history. 14th of November to the 24th of November. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scania. That webpage, anarchistmedia.org. Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Public Housing, Everybody's Business. My personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Send $1 stamps to Post Office Box 20. Parkville 3052. Nice messages on 0439 395 489. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Don't forget, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Let your friends know about the program. Let your friends know about the podcast. Join us next week on your local community radio station for the Anarchist World This Week. Broadcast on the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah!